G'day everyone and welcome to episode 98 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined this week by Kai. Kai, how are you doing, my friend? I am living the dream. I say living the dream every week. I need a new thing to say. I am doing very well. How are you? I am am well, I am well. Uh, Conspicuously, Mr. John... Uh, Reeves is uh, away on assignment. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. That's 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 all we can disclose at this Our stage. Foreign correspondent John. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he's uh, he's he, he's put on his press hat with the little like little card in it. <laughs> he's, he's going to the front lines. <laughs> he's got like a flak jacket and everything. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Yeah. We only we only asked him to go to. You know, South Australia, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's a war zone down there. Apparently, <laughs> uh, no. It's 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 been a good week over here in, in my household. We got a new kitten over the weekend. She's very very adorable. She's uh she's uh she's got she picked up the cat flu at the shelter, so she's uh still isolating in the back of the house, and we'll uh. Uh, we'll introduce her to the other two cats we have at home, hopefully over the weekend, uh, when she's feeling a little bit better. But yeah, that's no, exciting times. Yeah, we'll <laughs> hope, hope they all get on in as much as cats ever get on with other cats. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give an update next week. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll let everyone at home know as well. <laughs> I, I am going to be requesting kitten updates every week for the next For sure. Indefinite amount of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, she's just applied. Oh, she she just got her day zero patch, day one patch. She's uh, she's got some uh, some uh, release week bugs, but we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll keep it updated. That's what you should call her. You should call her patch. She's <laughs> she's come in after the other cats who are great. <laughs> yeah, but now your house is that much better. <laughs> yeah, I should call it games as a service because apparently there's there's ongoing costs. <laughs> uh, uh, call uh, it, just call it PlayStation Plus. Yeah. I should yeah. do that. Sometimes you wonder if the costs are too much, but it always brings you back really. in, gives you those exactly. eyes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How about we? Uh, how about we jump into the news? Because there's there's actually been a, a quite a few different stories bubbling up over the past week. This first story is courtesy of the Australian government. So this 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 announcement came on. I think it was Saturday, of of all days, uh, is that uh, the uh, Minister of Communications, uh, Miss uh, Michelle Rowland, announced uh, some sweeping changes to the classification system for games uh, due to the inclusion or depiction of gambling in, in games. So starting next September, so September 2024, quote, an R18 plus restricted classification for games containing simulated gambling, such as social casino games, 
and then quote an and an M mature advisory classification for games containing in-game purchases linked to elements of chance, including paid loot boxes. Um, the other thing to take note is that uh, these changes will be for games, quote, released from September next year and will not apply retroactively. Oh, sorry, retrospectively, end quote. So a couple of, couple of major things there. So, you know, if you've got loot boxes in your game in any way, you're going to be an automatic M rating. So I wonder if that means next year's EA Sports FC or, you know, or if, if there's a new, like, looter shooter or something like that, are they going to get the classification as well? It sounds I, like it. I was going to say, you know, most, most games at that level of having loot boxes, with the exception of some mobile phone games, generally are around that M rating anyway. A lot of them, looter shooters, come with a lot of violence, and that bumps you up the ratings. Um, yeah, but yeah. your your point on sports games is interesting because they usually, you know, G P G. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, yeah, that will be interesting. Unless what they need to do is, someone needs to bring out a game where you play as like a shady bookie, like a bookkeeper, in the in the. <laughs> Who takes dodgy bets and then, like, you know, the seedy underworld that happens around it. It's like Peaky Blinders, but a video game, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, that's I, 2023. I like it. <laughs> I can, there, there should be a mini game to see how quickly you can say the disclaimer at the end of your ads. Yeah. What are you really gambling with? <laughs> uh, that's That's true. And, and yeah, maybe it'll be M-rating because there's all this violence, you know, you're going to be cracking knuckles, collecting debts and everything. Yeah. <laughs> someone, like someone starts winning too much, you come yeah. after them. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what the ramifications are for games like this here. And I, I wonder if it's going to become a thing where, like, FIFA, well, I guess now it's called EA Sports FC, but those games... I believe in Belgium, where Belgium is very strict about loot boxes. I don't think Ultimate Team is available in that region, in that country. And I think other games don't have... They take out loot boxes and things like that in Belgium specifically. So it'd be interesting if maybe we'll get a similar treatment going forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they just cop the ratings hit. Um, yeah. Or whether they they release versions of the game without loot boxes. In order to keep that keep that level rating, yeah. But I guess if you're if you're a parent or you know a grandparent or a guardian, if you're gonna buy like that, like you're gonna buy your your ten year old FIFA or whatever EA Sports FC, you're probably not gonna care about the rating. You're just like, okay, this is the football game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would <laughs> I would expect them to just release it as is, and it'll be M rated. Yeah, um, and I expect that to not change a huge deal, but it's it's a step, right? It yeah, forces oh, them it's... to put on the front cover that mm. there are paid loot boxes and yeah. gambling involved, which I think is is the step that we wanted for a while. Yeah, a lot of people have wanted. I think also, let's be honest. Given the way things are done in the West, <laughs> how how if it's got 
as soon as you see one nipple, it's banned. But everything else is fine. You can decapitate. You can do whatever you want. But as, as soon as they, if there's two women kissing or, you know, some nipple showing or like a penis, it's like, nah, there's too adult for the children. Put it away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You use the sex uh, to distract from the violence. Yeah. And, and then, then you when you remove it, everything's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all right, children. The M stands for Matildas. That's right. You can you can buy this game. You can buy this game. <laughs> the M stands uh, for money. Yeah, we all love money. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll keep an eye on it. Closer to next year, we'll we'll have a better idea of announcements and if any games are going to have any changes to their mechanics to accommodate these new classifications, but yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I don't think much is going to change really um, from a from a publishing perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, we've got some action happening on the other side of the world. Yeah. On, on the, yeah. On things that will cause a, a bit of change. Mm. Um, SAG-AFTRA video game actors have voted in favour of striking, which you remember we spoke about last week. They were mm. putting it out to a vote. That vote has come back with an overwhelming 98.32% of responders uh, in favour of a strike authorisation. Mm. Uh, that was 34,687 members cast ballots, uh, representing yep. a voting percentage of 27.47% of eligible voters. Which, yeah, so just over a quarter. Which is a good amount for a vote like this. That's yeah. a high number of responders, and in that, 98%, yes, is, <laughs> oh, I don't want to say unprecedented, because that's a bit cliche, but Jesus Christ. It's a landslide. <laughs> it is absolutely a landslide. I wonder how uh, the question was asked. It's like, hey, do you want more money? Yes. Do you want a livable wage? Yes. <laughs> Who are the one and a half percent saying, nah, nah. I want less? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe they didn't vote. Like maybe they, oh, uh, or maybe they just did a, what is a donkey vote? <laughs> Whatever they call it. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe or maybe they're just like, yeah, I, I don't want to get involved. In, well, there's always people who are reluctant to like kind of be active in this way. Maybe they're like, you know, I don't want the drama. I don't want the drama. I don't want trouble. But that's or presumably the seventy-five percent yeah. that didn't vote. Uh, I guess. Didn't, I guess. You know, I, I don't want Maybe. the drama, so I'm going to vote. But I'm going to vote this one. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so National yeah. Executive Director and Chief Negotiator of SAG-AFTRA, Duncan Crabtree, Crabtree Island. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite Monkey Island game. That's it's my spirit. It's a spiritual successor from Monkey Island. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was right there. <laughs> Duncan Monkey Island. No. Duncan Crabtree <laughs> Island. Uh, said that after five rounds of bargaining, it has become abundantly clear that the video game companies aren't willing to meaningfully engage on the critical issues, being compensation undercut by inflation, unregulated use of AI, and safety. Uh, it's also worth noting that just because a strike has been authorized, authorized doesn't mean that there will be a strike. This means that if there is one, it will be allowed. The yeah. union union has expressed that they're in favour of striking, if mm. necessary. 
Yeah, and and that means that, I guess, say a strike were to happen without a vote, anyone who didn't participate in the strike wouldn't necessarily be a scalper. But now, if there is a vote, uh, now that now that the vote has passed, if there is a strike that happens, you know, in the like in the future, people who don't participate or continue working and kind of flout the or try to undermine, I guess, the the strike really action cross the picket line. Yeah, yeah. be considered scalpers and will have their legs broken. Scabs. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Yeah, scabs. Yeah, scabs. That's what I'm thinking of. Not scalpers. That's something else. <laughs> No, no. They, they're both terrible, terrible people. Don't be a scab, don't be a scalper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens here because, I mean, I feel like just like with movies, there's a lot more involved, a lot more resources and a lot more time is required to, to make a high, like, especially like a triple A game. Uh, even even if you're an indie studio, games require more resources to create, more time, more money, more computing power, more talent, because of how how large scale even a simple game can be now, considering the you know the 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 hardware that they're um uh you know coding for, creating the content for. So imagine like a game like God of War with, you know notable voice actors or an, uh, like a, a game like uh, I was going to say like Spider-Man or something or whatever Troy Baker's in next <laughs> for example like you know people like that if they don't if they're on strike and say strike action goes on for a few months at least that can mean a, like an extra 6 to 12 months of delay potentially for a game that might already take a long time to create I'm just I, speculating, but it could. I was going to speculate the exact opposite. That oh. Because there is so much else to do, um, it might not have the immediate impact that that we've seen with the writer's strike and the, gotcha. the screen actor's strike. If you don't have them, you can't really produce anything. Yeah. But if Whereas, you're, yeah. you know, if you're producing games, there are models to make, there are you know, artists who can still be producing and making progress mm. on the game. Yeah. Um, it'll just come to that. Sure. That one element won't be moving at all. And I guess when you get to... Yeah, unless you're like a super AAA studio that has motion capture with the actors, like on a soundstage, that's probably when it will be affected. But yeah, I guess at a lower level, probably won't. you won't have that requirement so you could you could do a lot more with the other resources that get freed up you know there's still a lot happening yeah huh. you will still still have to record eventually though so. no everyone's just going to do the like the sims or like the animal crossing like beep, bah, 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 beep, but <laughs> every, every who, who's recording those there. noises someone has to come in and sit in front of a mic here ah, uh, eat, oh. just the developers just going to do it themselves uh, prob- <laughs> probably yeah Oh, we'll just like, go back to text yeah. boxes. It was like, I mean, like Ed Boon is the voice of Scorpion <laughs> in Mortal Kombat, and he was one of the developers and the creators. So you know, there there is precedent. There for... is precedent there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see, and we'll yeah. With the the writer strike allegedly nearing an agreement, I, mm. I wonder if they're 
maybe it won't be a strike at all because the momentum will have sort of cooled down a little. Yeah, yeah. Because so. that's that, that's the thing. I think that the important thing to know is that it, in terms of context, I I know that. So, can can you explain? Was it the the was it the Riders Guild that seemingly has reached some sort of agreement, or does that also include? SAG-AFTRA, which is the, the Actors Guild. That, that does not include SAG-AFTRA. Okay. The writers, writers Association, mm. Writers Union, mm. is nearing an agreement. That could all okay. still fall through. Um, but that will, that will definitely yeah. have impact on the actors' strikes. Yeah. But it won't call an end to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see if other parts of the games industry unionize if there's more momentum behind that because we have seen isolated uh, Q&A groups and things like that unionize over the past couple of years so I wonder how this will affect uh, momentum in that way yeah um, I mean we see when one union has a big success that generally Hmm. reminds people of the of the benefits and we see an uptick in union membership across the board so yeah yeah, we will, I agree. We will see. Be cool. We're cool to see. Workers' rights. It's important. <laughs> Unless you're a running company, then you probably don't want to spend more money. Then, so. obviously, the work is a grist <laughs> for the mill. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Speaking of, you know, questionable bosses, uh, Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, has announced that he's retiring from the company after four years leading uh, the the PlayStation, I guess, mothership. <laughs> I'll call it the mothership. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a crazy, crazy announcement. And uh, I'll, I'll read out a, like a, a short excerpt from Ryan's statement. Quote, after 30 years, I've made the decision to retire from Sony Interactive Entertainment in March 2024. I've relished the opportunity to have a job I love in a very special company, working with great people and incredible partners, but I've found it increasingly difficult to reconcile living in Europe and working in North America. Which, you know, fair enough. It's a, it's not an easy thing if you, you've got family in one place and work in a completely different continent. I mean, it's, it is a hell of a commute, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. It's just out of control. Yeah. And 30 years is a, is a long time. Yeah, and so. I mean, if, if it's 30 years, that predates the original... Well, I guess this would have been when the, the, the original PlayStation was being prototyped. Uh, yeah, because remember, the, the original PlayStation was meant to be an add-on for the Super Nintendo... Uh, but then Nintendo made a deal with Panasonic instead, and in, uh, I think, it was, yeah, Philips, I think. Sorry, it was Philips because that gave us yeah, the Philips, CDI. CDI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Sony's like, "Well, f you, we're gonna go, like, you know, we're gonna make our own game console with with blackjack and hookers." <laughs> and and then three generations of four generate five generations of. Systems you, later, you like there. it's dominating. <laughs> Count with me. <laughs> um, yeah, so from April 2024, Hiroki Totoki, um, who is uh, the Sony Group uh, Corporation President, COO, and CFO, uh, will help with the transition and is going to take over as interim CEO 
until uh, the company finds a successor uh, for for Jim Ryan. So that'll be a uh, yeah, interesting because uh, that is interesting. Yeah. I would have thought these months between the announcement and when he leaves would be for He's finding that CEO. Yeah, it's gonna hang out and then suddenly start looking in March. <laughs> I, I oh, would, yeah. You, one would think that would be valuable sort of handover time. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Ideally, but maybe yes. maybe that's why we don't run Sony. Yeah, that's why. That's the only reason why. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I would love to see Shuhei Yoshida come back and and lead Sony because uh, folks who don't remember. Um, Shuhei Yoshida was was very prominent during the the PS4 era as a Sony executive, like, and he had a, like a very genuine and warm personality that I think people like someone like Jim Ryan didn't really uh, didn't really present in all of the conversations like that he's had since like the PS4, like when he really stepped forward as a a major player in the, in the PlayStation sphere. Because remember, he was the guy who's like, "Why would you want backwards compatibility? No one wants to play old games." <laughs> like, yeah, that was that was a misstep, Jim. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, and he's yeah. also the guy who remember when when uh, when everything was happening with Activision and stuff. He uh, in the same email he was talking about his cat's birthdays. He was kind of downplaying the. Uh, I guess the the toxic workplace culture st- stuff happening around that. So he's uh, he's he's had some he's, he's he's had some, missteps. Yeah, yeah, boo-boos. We'll say that way. Yeah, some boo-boos, Yeah, uh, I mean, PlayStation is doing is doing well still. So he's probably you know by that measure done a bang up job as the CEO. Yeah, he's just not been a great ambassador for the brand. Yeah, and I think that is yeah. that is part of the job at this at this point in time. Part of your job as CEO is being an ambassador and and putting your best foot forward. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, despite what we think about Jim Ryan and things he said publicly, like the PS Five is breaking records, so it yeah, clearly doesn't matter <laughs> what you do. Trying to put my put my mind in, you know, Put myself in the shoes of a shareholder. Mm. Great job, Jim. Yeah, companies, thanks, Jim. Companies still making money. They're still selling PS5. Yeah, who, thanks, who, cares what, who cares what people think about that thing you said? Yeah, you just put my kid through college again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are my shares doing, Jim? They're up. Great. That's all, that's all I want from the CEO. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, other... Other notable video game personalities leaving companies. We've had a uh, uh, another announcement this week, and that's uh, Platinum Games. I, I don't know if he was a co-founder, but he was there pretty early on. Um, so Hideki Kamiya, most notably known uh, as the co-creator of uh, Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, and uh, one of the seniors, like one of the most, I guess, prominent figures at Platinum Games. He announced uh, earlier this week that he's going to be leaving Platinum Games 
next month and that he made this decision after, quote, a lot of consideration based on my own beliefs, quote, uh, end quote. And this is coming to us via Video Games Chronicle. So he took to Twitter uh, to say, um, I thought I'd be bullied more because of my usual behavior, but I'm so touched by all the words of support I've received. He wrote on Twitter, sorry, on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, saying thank you so much. Uh, I'm not worried about my future at all. As long as I have your support, I'll keep making games and I'll do my best not to disappoint you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, pretty awesome uh, that you know he he has such a such a strong legacy, and I'll I'll be really interesting interested in seeing what he um what he uh what he does next because yeah, uh, according to the story, yes, I can confirm. He did co-found Platinum Games in 2006, um, where he was uh, after he left Capcom and Clover Studio, which was uh, one of the one of the, the the most kind of famous Capcom adjacent studios because it, it was the studio behind Okami and Beautiful Joe back in the day, which are very very like beloved games. Even even before he stepped up to that level, he's the director of Resident Evil Two, which is mm. the best Resident Evil game. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, come, it's either two come or four. Come find me, Resident <laughs> Evil Four fans. Two is better. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it, I'm really really excited to see what he's uh, yeah, um, what he's going to be up to next. I know that Project GG. Was was like a superhero based project that he was working on at Platinum for the past couple of years or a few also, years, but yeah. It was also Scalebound, which was cancelled a few years back. Yes, that was the not the quite Devil May Cry, but still had a grey haired protagonist. But instead of fighting demons, he was riding a dragon. Yeah, it was it was the one where you could ride a dragon, and it was kick yes. ass, and then it got cancelled. It seemed like. It seemed like the, like, besides Sunset Overdrive, the other new Xbox exclusive <laughs> action game for the Xbox One generation. There is a better world out there where we got Scalebound and not Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> oh, could have had both. You don't have to do that to Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> All right. Dragons are better than energy drinks. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> what a what a um, it's a bold stance, bold stance right there. <laughs> well, speaking of Capcom and its legacy, this this next piece of news might not be so uh, positive in the eyes of gamers. Kai, what's going on yeah. with in in Capcom in Japan? Well, clearly Hideki Kamiya leaving Capcom, you know, two decades ago, has left them with. Maybe not the not the wisest people in charge. Um, as according to a Nikkei report translated by VGC, um, Capcom president Haruhiro Sugimoto uh, spoke at Tokyo Game Show and told attendees that he thinks video games should cost more. They should retail for more money. Yep. Uh, probably went over great with shareholders, probably not so great with players. Yeah. Uh, Sujimoto reportedly said, Personally, I feel that game prices are too low. 
Development costs are around 100 times higher than they were in the days of the Famicom, known here as the NES, but the price of software hasn't risen so much. There is also a need to raise wages in order to attract talented people, given that wages are rising across the industry as a whole. Debatable. I think the option of raising unit prices is a healthy form of business. Uh, mm. So that's something. There's a few pros and a few cons in there. I'm wondering where he's getting the idea that video game wages are going up a huge amount. Everything I've seen is that they're not really keeping up. Yeah. I mean, I will say that in Japan, Capcom last year announced that it was raising all its staff's salaries on average by 30%. So maybe it's a... Maybe something's happening in Japan. Maybe, yeah, maybe Japan, yeah. maybe just Capcom. Yeah. But I think the industry as a whole, the argument falls a, a little flat. Well, I know that, uh, I know that uh, roles, so salaries are going up in terms of what's being advertised for certain positions, but I know software and things like that, like there was a boom during COVID as, you know, a lot of digital companies were, were doing well, but I wonder if that's kind of, leveled out and with inflation so high you need if you're making the same amount of money so even if you were being paid well last year that may not necessarily mean you're getting paid well this year because of you know your money being worth less due to inflation so yeah i i really do wonder i mean i yeah it is it is worth noting that capcom hasn't increased the prices of PS5 Series X games like a lot of other studios have. Mm. See, we're seeing here in Australia AAA games going for 120 bucks for the base version. Yeah. Rather than the you know, 60, 70, 80 they used to sit at. Well, that's the thing. Like, they used to... Like, games have r- retailed for 120 but you wouldn't see anyone except EB Games. <laughs> really make you pay it like most of the times jb or gamesman or someone would have it you know well below 90 dollars for the average console release but yeah yeah i guess the, the yeah. prices have gone up mm. and they've been counted with special offers and deals and yeah more sales and more discounts it. to offset it so. yeah yeah i wonder i mean i'm, I'm gonna be you got, everyone might hate me but I agree with him in that yes game develop like games do cost more to make but I don't know I don't know if raising the game prices is the solution maybe it's more about you know educating players about what's involved in making a game and why games are getting delayed and things like that and making it normal for games to have a longer development time rather than, you know, announcing a date that's too soon and then delaying it and angering people when they don't understand why it takes so long to make a game. So maybe that's kind of a way you can get around it. That's that's a way. I was also going to mention, I think he's, he's definitely got a point. The games do cost more to make. And yeah. it's fair that... You know, studios and companies need to counter that and 
increase yeah. their revenue. He's forgotten there are also other revenue sources that game studios are, are using. There are partnerships, there are sponsorships, there's product placement mm. deals that weren't there. In Battle the, passes, DLC, Game Pass, you know, things like that. Yeah. Agreements, yeah. So I don't think raising raising game prices is the be-all, end-all. Yeah. I think it... it could be a part of it. Yeah. I would understand that. I'm not going to be thrilled about it. As I, I yeah. don't imagine anyone will be thrilled, Tom. You're going to be paying more. Yeah. And especially when you're paying more for a game and the game is released in a really shit like state because it was rushed. And then and then there are oh you can pay an extra 30 40 bucks to pay it, play it a few days early. But then you you get that, but that means you don't get... So instead of the day one patch coming out the day of the early release, it you're going to play it a few days before the game actually gets its optimization patch and stuff. So you're like kind of doubly screwed. Pay us $40 <laughs> to do our QA testing. Yeah, which is... Which is baffling, cool. but it's also that working. Sucks. People are buying it. It's People are buying it, yeah. yeah. It's genuinely baffling too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument saying that, oh, you know, people know if you're going to get a game early, you can expect that. But it's like, I, I, I don't feel like that's communicated anywhere. I feel like the expectation is you're just getting, you're getting the same game that everyone else is going to play just a few days early. Not that you're getting a worse version of that game. Also, multiplayer games, if you get the game early, there may not be other people to play with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> well, Moving on, what's Valve up to? Well, it seems like Valve also doesn't want to pay more money for things, <laughs> apparently. Uh, so, so this news it comes to us via the EU General Court, and this I've uh, taken from uh, quotes from uh, Engadget, Axios, uh, uh, who've done reporting around this. So in 2021, the European Euro- European blah, European Union General Court found that Bandai Namco, Capcom, Focus Home, Coke Media, which is Kosh, now part of... Kosh Media. Kosh Media, which is now part of... Uh, Embracer, and Bethesda's parent company, Xenobax, um, uh, and Valve had infringed EU competition law by agreeing to not let players in certain European countries change their, like, do like a VPN or something to change their location to say that they're in a country like Latvia or something or, you know, or like Poland or, or Russia, and... And then take advantage of the fact that games in those countries are cheaper due to, you know, maybe a weaker economy and, and maybe average average income levels and things like that. Now, all of those companies except Valve didn't appeal <laughs> and just said, yeah, we'll pay. Because uh, the combined fine from the EU General Court in 2021 that was issued was a combined total of 7.8 million euros and that's across one two three four five 
six companies, and one of them being Valve, who basically is like the PC gaming market. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely pocket change for a lot of these companies. Yeah, so this week, uh, the EU court uh, rejected Valve's uh, argument on the basis of copyright law. Uh, essentially, Valve had argued, or Valve's lawyers argued that, hey, according to our interpretation of copyright law, we have the right to you know, offer different pricing in different regions, and people who are trying to get around that are you know, infringing on this copyright. But the EU court said, nah <laughs> And that, quote, copyright is intended only to ensure for the right for the rights holders concerned protection okay uh, we're getting into legalese okay, we're, okay, we're gonna get into legalese i'm not gonna go that uh it okay however copyright law does not guarantee these companies the opportunity to demand the highest possible of remuneration or to engage in conduct such as to lead to artificial price differences between the different national markets. So kind of paraphrase there, but that's that's kind of fair, saying that you can't you can't use copyright as a way to get around the fact that there are different pricing across the different countries. And just because you're not happy with that pricing differences doesn't mean that you can stop people from you know, people who live in EU states from uh, you know, purchasing from other countries because Technically, that's allowed under the the EU kind of trade agreement. Yeah, so uh, I guess the EU not happy. (laughs) They can absolutely still block people outside of the EU from using that VPN and pretending they're part of it. But once you're once you're in the EU, you're in. Oh, unless you're (laughs) unless you're England, (laughs) unless you're Britain. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> with, with one notable exception. Uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, trouble in Europe can't can never imagine that. <laughs> one wow. big happy family. Yeah, every everything's good in global politics. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm genuinely just baffled that Valve tried to appeal it in the first place. Just yeah. This is absolutely one of those things that you just, well, it's legal for a price. Just pay the fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just like, it, it, it's, maybe it's like the, maybe it's a pride thing or maybe it's a precedent thing. They don't want a precedent to be formed. But I feel like if five of out of the six companies have like just accepted it, you're not really avoiding a precedent there. Also, that puts more pressure on the EU court to uphold their decision because if they mm. grant that leniency to Valve, all the other companies will come back and say they yep. should have been granted that leniency, which would be fair. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's that's going to do it for for the uh, like kind of the the business shenanigans, and that's going to do it for the news for this week's episode how about we take a quick break and talk about uh what we've been playing and by that i mean cyberpunk 2077's 2.0 update
Cyberpunk. Somehow, over the last three years, it's transformed from being the the laughing stock of the gaming community to being like the technical and graphical showcase for modern gaming technology. <laughs> and uh, it received a massive 2.0 update uh, over the past week, uh, which just came out uh, a week before um, today's release of the Phantom Liberty expansion for the game. Kai, you and I, we've been playing playing the 2.0 update. What do you think so far? I I think people are, are saying it's an entirely different game. I get where they're coming from. I disagree. I think <laughs> I think this is the fix. This is yeah what they were talking about in 2018 before it came yes. out and was bad. This is the game that it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, it. I, yeah, I'm having a great time. Yeah, because I think the the important thing to to note is that from the reviews at the time, even if all the technical issues were fixed with the game, there were things like around the RPG mechanics or the way the story was told or the endings. There were things that were not good about the game that you know weren't performance related and it seems like cd project red you know i guess over the past three years has listened to that feedback and made changes to the to the core systems of the game and the new expansion uh phantom liberty is actually built around a lot of those changes yeah that's what it that's seems like. like everything that they initially promised you know, a decade ago <laughs> that is actually yeah. achievable is now in the game more or less working. Yes. Yes. I've had no, I've had yeah. a few teething issues. Um, yeah. If there's if there's too much happening, uh, the game crashes, which is a bit sad because I am I am loving. What are you playing on? Uh, PS Five. PS Five, and I'm playing on PC. Yeah. Um. I will say I'm really loving leaping out of cars and and blocking bullets. But <laughs> if, if I am going too fast when I jump out of the car, <laughs> I've crashed a few times. Not, As in the game's not the crashed? Car, the game has crashed. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I don't the, know what you meant in that. The car crashing is a given. I've just <laughs> launched myself out of it at 80 games an hour. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, so... I'm playing it for the first time. So I didn't play Cyberpunk at any point over the past three years. I I just wasn't taken by, you know, the, the performance issues and even what the what I heard about the game itself and even like people who really liked The Witcher Three didn't like Cyberpunk as much. Whereas other people they, they really loved it and things like that. So I'm coming into this fresh. Whereas you've uh, did you finish the game earlier this year? When it came out on PS5, uh, no, I I finished it. Um, I I played a lot of the game and was close to finishing yeah. it, and then just sort of stopped earlier in the year. Okay, uh, gotcha. And then the the 2.0 update prompted me to get back into it and and wrap up the story. Okay, cool, cool. So I'm coming at it from a perspective of all the systems and everything's new, so I don't actually know how different it is. Now, 
all I can say is that the RP there's there's a lot to the skill tree and it is very confusing. Uh but it does seem like it fulfills a lot of people's expectations of a being a fully fledged RPG and you know having you know lots of different abilities and 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 different um characteristics that you can change is this how it was before how much of a change did it seem to you uh huge change just character build wise like it okay. feels like the the game is now more built around specializing and yep. and knowing more or less what you want your character to be going in. Mm-hmm. Um, the original game, it, it felt like no matter what you chose, you ended up roughly the same. Okay. And I, I tried respecking a few times, and aside from you know one or two abilities that I wouldn't have, it it all ended up coming to the same same end result. Oh, okay. But now, gotcha. now it gotcha. feels like that's a valid way to play that kind of all rounder. Yeah. But it feels more built around, you know, decide whether you want to go in guns blazing or whether you want to be a sneaky ninja from the yeah. outset and then build your character around that. Okay, cool. Which, yeah, well, I'm still, yeah, still very early on. But that sounds like that's very different to how it was before. Where it was just like, you don't, yeah, you, like it didn't seem like stealth was as viable before as it is now. Yeah, well, stealth stealth was viable before. I actually say stealth was easier before. Oh, okay. Uh, in general, now stealth is far more viable, but you have to have you know, thought about Spec it beforehand and gotcha. thought, "What abilities am I going to need?" In order to stealth yeah. my way through this, and that's tri- that's oh, okay. tripped me up a cool. few times. Um, yeah, I've been like, yeah, I've done stealth missions in Cyberpunk before. I know how this works. Like, <laughs> oh no, I I don't know how this works. They've changed so much. I've yeah, I've and, really had yeah. to to really reset my brain and try and remind gotcha. myself, you are learning this game Re-learn. for the first time. Okay, because it's yeah, so I'm... different. I'm confused. I'm confused by the like the the RPG system in it because there are perk points and there are attribute points and I can't also it took me a while to realize that the skill tree goes bottom to the top rather than top down <laughs> like other games <laughs> which uh yeah it's just, they just kind of throw you in there and there's like all these trees and I'm like I'm trying to move up, but I don't know. I've like tried. I've unlocked multiple things at the bottom level, and I was like, okay, maybe I need to unlock all of these to get up this middle tree. But well, even no, if I, I can, do that, I it doesn't work. It's, yeah, uh, you need more attribute points to unlock those top levels of the tree. So attribute points. Are attribute the points are the general ones. Okay. Yeah. And then perk points are the ones for like the individual unlocks. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Attribute points are ten body, twelve reflexes. Yeah. Perk points are you can do this now. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do a great job explaining things, which <laughs> yeah. I think some people yeah. might enjoy. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, why would it explain this to you? Mm. That's just part of the world. This is how things always are. Yeah. So. That's that makes that's that makes sense now that you've said that because that's what I thought it was, but then it it didn't. I yeah. had that same thought of oh, I must need to unlock all of these first, and then I'll get the next level. Yeah. And then I did unlock them all, and I didn't get that next level. Like wow, <laughs> oh, what a waste of all of my points. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, fortunately, God. I think respecking yeah. is free now, so that's good. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, because like, I, I've already had a couple of different conversations where I've had options grayed out because I didn't have enough points, and I was like, "This is really triggering me." <laughs> like, I want, I want to know every single dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah, that's that the thing. Yeah, wasn't in the original game. I don't think there were. Okay, there were a few set moments that, but that was more of background. Like you yeah. have things you could only say if you were a street kid or a nomad, but yeah. there wasn't there wasn't much in the way you needed specific stats for conversations. Yeah, and and there's also like a thing where when you're in the conversations, it's only occasionally where you might see a a symbol for an option in one of the dialogue options that is tied to a characteristic, whereas sometimes like it's just like okay, that one option is orange and the other ones are blue. But I don't know what the difference is. Oh. As far as I can tell, orange is continuing the conversation, whereas blue is just like, it'll still come back to that same top thing. Yeah. You're just getting more information. Is blue, that right? Blue will move on. No, oh, orange okay. Orange will move on. Blue, blue will, will just keep it there. loop around. You'll get some more information, maybe some more options. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, cool. Orange, yeah. orange is, I am done with this part of talking now. Let's just move to the next Next topic. That's good. That that's good that for people who just want to skip, and yeah. it will just get through. Yeah, like, but I, I must say, like playing Starfield and then playing this, and comparing the opening hours of the game, it's so different. Like Starfield. Okay, number one, Starfield feels very like small in scale even though you're spanning a galaxy, but even just going from one place to another, or even just, you know, like... Like, Starfield feels like a game from two generations ago. It it very much still looks like a Oblivion. You know, person standing in one place, you talk to them, and they, you know, they there's that weird Bethesda zoom on their face and things like that. Whereas in this, it's like... Yeah, okay. A lot of the NPCs are still kind of like, you know, robot-y, but I mean, the actual NPCs. main... Yeah, but the actual main dialogue and conversations and stuff are a lot more dynamic, and the personalities are different. Like, you, you, like, you know, Jackie's, he's, he's, he's got... Like, the people you meet, they, they seem like real, like, characters that can exist in the world versus, like, a cookie-cutter type thing. I, th- I think that was, like... It was really cool. Um, seeing that that difference, and like, there's no sense of like, there's no essentially the the plot of like the the premise of Starfield is that you're a miner, as in someone who mines, not a young person who uh, is in a on your first day on the job, and then you are excavating something, 
and for some reason they decide to give the most like mysterious new mineral or new artifact to be mined by the new guy you touch it turns out it's some sort of ancient alien artifact thing and you get visions and then the whole story is is about like oh okay well you've touched it so you're the chosen one you know type thing whereas in this one it's like I chose the nomad background where you're like you know you're getting introduced to Night City maybe or may not be familiar with it like you meet Jackie who's like kind of your buddy and he kind of like shows you the ropes and there's like a whole like you feel like you you give a shit about the people around it and then there's like you know okay you want to make a name for yourself okay there's there's like some sort of like story there whereas yeah I yeah. feel like it's very different to Starfield it, it I do think cyberpunk story is very character based and it's yeah. all intrinsically motivated which I think is a is a really great strength of the game whereas it sounds like yeah, Starfield sure. is a little bit more MacGuffin oh whoa here's the thing go go get it it's yeah. just because and you never really explains why you as a character should care yeah it's like here take my ship here take my robot here join the secret society it's just like yeah. okay like, I mean <laughs> I'll, I'll do this because the game's asking me to do it but I don't yeah. get why I as a character want to do this <laughs> yeah just about everything in in cyberpunk does come back to a character wants this because of their background because of their goals yeah and, and yeah that's always made you know, clear if it's not clear there's probably mm. something you don't know that you can find out yeah and in starfield you you like in cyberpunk like in mass effect you choose your background but that doesn't really make any difference <laughs> it just might give you some extra stats and something whereas in cyberpunk like i've had op- things where i had options saying like oh you know i'm a nomad so i'm like a i'm like a fixer oh wait not not fixer in the sense of the game like a i'm like the mad max people we drive around and we we survive off whatever we have we we survive we move around in packs and we just drive everywhere and we just do jobs for people right and have a great time yeah and that's like kind of reflected in this like you'll have options about nomad and you're like okay well you know it sounds like your convoy was ambushed maybe i can help you with the security of that you know things that actually reference your background or is in starfield there's there's no like there's no reference to anything about you it's just well here's the story you just do the story you go to this location heaven forbid you need to consult a map and go back and forth so that that's the that's the uh, annoying thing uh, in starfield that i feel like Cyberpunk is a so Cyberpunk feels like a an open world game from this decade or you know that was created in the last decade whereas Starfield feels like a game that was created two decades ago. <laughs> it's just shiny. Yeah. I I <laughs> I do think the the characters and the world of Cyberpunk are are standouts mm. and that world design even even when it was buggy I was amazed at the world design. Still cool. I it's think such a cool premise. That, and, yeah. that moment in the intro when you first sort of step out onto Night City and yeah. you see the amounts of people that are there and they're all different and they're doing their thing. And yeah. you, you look around and there's lights everywhere but it all fits together. Yeah. I think you know, there's games that I'm not going to name that have tried to go for that you know, visceral kind of 
wow, look how big and expansive this is, and I've failed because I haven't put that effort in. And it just looks like a bunch of cubes stacked on top of each other. And you go, yes, it's very tall, but it's not interesting. No, and whereas here I feel like, even though you're like in one suburb, like one borough of Night City at the beginning of the game, there's still so much happening and there's like, you know, you're walking through alleys and, and shady dealings are going on. And, and, and it's, you and know, it's believable yeah. that everyone else in the game has their own sort of life and is yeah. doing their own thing. And, and that most people are fucking depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and everything, <laughs> everything yeah. is big and shiny and sucks. Yeah. And the other thing is like, I, I guess one thing to say is that, you know, cyberpunk is... Cyberpunk 2077 is based on Cyberpunk, the role-playing game, the tabletop role-playing game. Um, so there is, you know, there is existing lore to pull from, but even so, the execution of the the virtual depiction of that lore is really cool. And it really... It, it, I mean, you can tell, like, the original Cyberpunk was released in the 80s, like the late 80s, and it was very heavily drawing on, you know, Cyberpunk tropes from that time. You know, like, you know, Japan being a superpower, uh, you know, hyper-capitalism, and, you know, a bit, you know, that the difference between rich and poor and how there's mega structures and then... On the on the lower streets, people are just struggling to survive. So it's it's kind of cool how it kind of bridges that gap. But they've they've yeah modernized it really well. But yeah, stuck to that core of what made the tabletop RPG good and memorable. Yeah, hundred percent. And it it to me it makes like I can believe that you know by twenty seventy seven we've you know. Healthcare in the US has gone even more crazy and corporations run things versus governments. Uh, and, but cars aren't flying yet. I can believe that more than... Because that's like now, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> versus... Yeah. yeah. And there are, there are flying vehicles around, but yeah, no one but at like your level has access things. to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, this is an aircraft carrier, sh- but it's still a ship because it's, you know, okay, that stuff may not move that much forward, but the things like, you know, things moving forward in terms of how, you know, the the internet, like the concept of the internet is just ubiquitous. Everything's digital and everyone's wired in. I think it, and, it and would have like been that, tempting yeah. in developing mm. a game like this to make everything neon. I think it's yes. wise to not do that. Things are neon when you would expect them to be neon. When it's advertising, yeah. when a you know corporation is trying to draw your attention to something. Yeah. But you know, military military vehicles and poor people are not decked out in neon clothes and neon vehicles because that's insane. Yeah. yeah. And you get further out from the city, and the neon is gone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, did you watch the Cyberpunk Edge Runners show? I did on Netflix. Early, so, earlier this year. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, so I, I didn't play Cyberpunk, but 
that anime got me really interested in cyberpunk because it was such a I, I thought it was a really good show um and it was it was kind of cool seeing the like in the skill tree like references to the show in some of the icons that they use for the different skills uh that's like that's pretty cool like a nice neat touch they've knitted it together a little bit more which is nice yeah which is which is really cool because uh yeah and, and it's so cool because like the world has its own you know there's there's its own vocabulary there's its own slang you know like you know and and it's like it feels like a world that actually exists versus like or, it's or not contrived exist. in the same way or could exist yeah versus like a like a starfield where it's like okay we left earth is completely decimated we've left earth but everywhere you go it's still just humans there are no no aliens or anything but we go to a planet we build one city and then we do nothing else for the rest of the planet like and then in the city like you go down to the city level and there's no local map so you have to there's no way to like there's just things that's so clunky and it's just annoying whereas like gameplay wise like even cyberpunk like i don't know if it was like this at the big like when it launched but you know you see something oh this is classified as junk great i know that so i don't have to pick it up and whereas like in, in starfield just things just have a weight and a value but then when you go to try and sell those things that you're not going to get what you, what the game says it's worth so it's like but why didn't you just tell me this was junk and then i won't pick it up yeah <laughs> she told me this was nothing yeah we could have saved yeah. ourselves a whole bunch of time yeah um and i i've been very happy with the voice acting so far and I can actually name. I think the best thing is that I can actually name the characters I've spoken with, and like I, st- I'm still in the first act, like the beginning of the game. Like, to put in context, the lockdown hasn't lifted yet. We're still planning the first like, kind of heist or whatever. It prologue, is, right? sort of. <laughs> yeah. Still and, setting up yeah. the actual story. And there's already like four or five kind of main characters that are named. And that are like completely different to each other. Like they have their own, like you know, you've got the kind of the the middleman fixer guy. You know, he rolls around in a limousine with a gold watch, and then you've got like the high kind of like behind the scenes, uh, like corporate espionage lady, who's like you know, who's got her way around things. Uh, have, you, have you met T Bug yet? Yeah, yeah. T-Bug. She, she was there in the, like the intro. Yeah, T Bug's. yeah. She's kind of cool. I didn't I realize say, that she I was think, actually a character. Yeah. I think my absolute favorite thing in Cyberpunk, the lore, the game, everything, yeah. is the existence yeah. of Trauma Team. I think that is yeah. genuinely brilliant world building. Like, it's so clearly wrong yeah. to have your, your paramedics also be this hyper-militarized SWAT team. Yeah. But it's it's so it makes yeah, sense, I given, get yeah. how the world is, how we got to this point. And at no point yeah. does the game, you know, sit down and explain, Oh, well, in nineteen or twenty thirty two, uh, some politician introduced this thing. He just it lets you understand how things got to this point naturally. Yeah. But there are those things though, like you do pick up like kind of little uh, things you can read across the oh, world that do explain some of the back, background. Gives you the yeah. details if if you want. If but you it want, it's also to. completely yeah. content to just let you 
see it's like, people yeah. getting stabbed on the street and be like, oh, okay, I understand how they got to this point that, yeah. that our paramedics are coming in with AK-47s. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, they're, they're protecting their client. And that's yeah. how they say it. That's how they depict it. And it's like, well... It's that's just a natural extension of the insurance system in America. Like yeah. imagine, like you've got tiered insurance. You know, people who don't have insurance, people have basic insurance, people have got top-notch insurance. Like imagine you had a chaperone service where you had specific, um, you know, imagine you had express ambulance service, right? And then people naturally would be like, oh, hey, this isn't cool. Let's hijack it or undermine it. Well, then eventually you're going to have to protect yourself. So, you know, it, yeah. it's like it is, it's that's that, how it happens. It makes sense. It's that good sci-fi of it's taking the concepts we're seeing today and just yeah. escalating them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, I'm, it, I'm really enjoying it. Like, I it, when I'm not playing the game, I'm thinking about playing the game. And that's what I think is the sign of a good game. Yeah. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 it's good now yeah and I was okay I saw that the the DLC got like 9s and 10s and apparently it's a really good like expansion so I was gonna buy the game I saw the bundle was like the game plus the expansion you buy it you get 10% off I'm glad I didn't buy it because literally the next day it went 40% off if you buy the bundle I was like well there you go that's <laughs> just made it easy <laughs> Well, I I haven't yeah. got to the DLC yet, but yeah. I'm, I'm. Did you buy it though? I have got it. Okay. Uh, cool. And when I started a new game, it very very helpfully had. Do you want to start at the very beginning, or do you want to jump to when the DLC is available in the story? Oh, I gotcha. So yeah, I did yeah. that. So I've got access to it now, but I haven't played. Ah, uh, cool. So, when you finish the game, I think, in there's no like. It just kind of dumps you back to like a point in the game before you do you fit before the ending ending right. Yeah. So you can still access the DLC at that point, or do you have to start a new game? You can still access the DLC at that point. I just okay thought with all the new mechanics, I'd start a new character, refresh cool, cool. my skill tree a bit. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but no, but I also did not want to yeah. go through the whole prologue again, so. I love that they included yeah. that for everyone coming back just for the DLC. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, it's cool. You can start a new character and we'll skip the intro bit, drop your right in it. Which, which, which is cool. Auto-allocated me some stats yeah. and gave me some equipment. Like, this is probably what you'd have at this point. Here you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's um, no, that's really cool. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play more of it and really get lost even more in the lore of cyberpunk because I'm really, really digging the the whole vibe of the city I've, so far. I have to get a, yeah. a double jump tabletop session going. I'll run a, yeah, run a yeah, cyberpunk RPG. To play I've, the actual one, yeah. I've played a few <laughs> sessions uh, yeah. and it was it was good fun. Oh, that's good. So yeah. Would, would recommend oh, the RPG really cool. as well. Nice, nice. Uh, I will also say that I am uh, playing the game... With like a mix of like high, like a high, medium, low settings, but with ultra ray tracing because I've got a, a modern graphics card, but I've got like a mid-range CPU. So like it is caning my computer, but it's it's kind of good 
because it means that you know things are actually happening and it seems like it's much more like because they've made changes to the npcs like the behavior of the ai and everything like that there's a lot more being used by the, the cpu so folks at home if you feel like um it you know it may not be running as well on your pc even though you've got a decent graphics card, it could mean that your CPU could be the, the bottleneck yeah. now because it's just using more of it now. As, as CD Projekt Red has said, if you're not 100% confident that your computer can run it, it probably can't. <laughs> it may catch on fire. It's yeah, a hugely intensive game at this point. I think yeah, it is. They've completely tossed out the idea of running it on anything not state-of-the-art. Pretty much, like, yeah, especially if you've got the DLC, because the Phantom Liberty, the DLC, was, it was, so the original, so Cyberpunk 2077 was developed with the PS4 and Xbox One generation in mind, so there were some limitations there in what they could do, whereas Phantom Liberty is designed from the ground up, taking advantage of the extra power that the PS5 and Xbox Series X consoles have, so that's why that part of the game can actually run worse than the rest of the game because it has a lot more going on. Yeah. And but, truly, hey, that's the most cyberpunk, cyberpunk thing of all. They finally fixed yes. it, but only if you're rich. <laughs> that's true. That's the most... Yeah, that, that is cyberpunk in a nutshell. <laughs> that's going to do it for for this week uh chit chat section and i think it's going to do it for this week's episode of double jump radio everyone at home thank you so much for listening as always head over to doublejump.co to find uh, all of our articles as well as links to our social media and our community discord um come say hi introduce yourself tell us what you've been playing let us know if you've been playing cyberpunk and what you think about it and yeah, uh, my dude, Kai, thank you so much for joining me this week. I know you've had a pretty pretty busy week, so I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Jim. <laughs> keeping it over. I like it. <laughs> you, you won't find no gonks over here. You were about to say that. I was about to say gonk. <laughs> this is preem content. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, nah, dude, thank you so much. Hopefully by next week, we'll, uh, John, John will be back and back from his, uh, <laughs> deployment in South Australia. <laughs> you can tell us all about the horrors he's seen. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, because I know last week he teased, um, the fact that he was watching the live action Netflix adaptation of One Piece, so hopefully we'll, we'll learn more about that next week. Yeah. Until next time, everyone. Look out for one. Peace. Stay over. <laughs>